why does everyone think the Chiefs are going to regress in 2017? It doesn't make sense, but everyone seems to think it. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome back to the Minnesota Chiefs Fan Podcast. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs Fan, or Seth Kaiser. You're going by my regular name. Oh, before I start anything, very important piece of news here. I'm thinking about changing the name of the podcast. And if we do that, it's going to be quick. And so if there's anyone with a recommendation for a new name, I've been told that Minnesota Chiefs Fan Podcast is a little too on the nose. I would be more than happy to hear it. Um, That is not my area. The only thing I could think of was the Minnesota Chiefs Fan Podcast because that's what I'm doing. So if you have any ideas for that, let me know because we're thinking about rebranding it very quickly. If it happens, like I said, it'll be in the next week or two. But give me a give me a recommendation for a new name on Twitter if you're interested in such things. But enough about that kind of thing. What I want to talk about today is a subject that's been really prevalent throughout the NFL offseason, especially as the news that involved the Chiefs seem to continually become weirder and weirder, right? Um, You know, with the Jeremy Macklin stuff, the John Dorsey stuff, then this most recent Tom Bahali stuff, the news with the Chiefs has definitely been weird. It's been a goofy offseason. And with that has come more and more often I've seen predictions that the Chiefs are going to take a big step back in 2017. Um, what what set off this whole thought process for me was a few days ago seeing yet another podcast. I think maybe this was on Matt Miller's podcast. I don't know, someone's, where someone just said the Chiefs would be lucky to get to 8-8 eight and eight this year. And that just blew my mind. And I realized it wasn't the first time I'd seen something like that. I, maybe it was the first time I saw someone go that far with it, saying they'd be lucky to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. But it seems like the majority of people, even a lot of Chiefs fans, are predicting a big step back in 2017. And the thought intrigued me because, look, it's the NFL. Anything could happen. Um, but at the same time, and as I've said before, I, I don't deal with in, you know all possibilities – for me, I try to deal in what does the evidence point to, what what seems the most likely. Um, one could predict that the Chiefs, you know, will go 0 and 16 because, you know, solar flares will be hotter than normal, and then they could go 0 and 16. But that doesn't mean it was a good prediction based on real evidence. All it means is that someone got lucky, and so. I, I kind of want to take a look at some of the reasons people are saying the Chiefs are going to regress this year. So what I actually did is I, I asked uh, on Twitter people to give me every reason they could think of that they've heard the Chiefs are going to take a big step backward. And so what I want to do is just go through as many of them as possible, and especially some of the more prevalent ones, and give them some real thought. And we'll see where we land. Um it's, it's kind of an unusual tenor for my podcast, but I think this is probably going to take up all the time we have because based on the responses I got, there are a lot of reasons people think the Chiefs are going to take a step backwards. And the only thing you can do is just go one step at a time. And so the the first reason I've seen people give, and there's various uh, variations of this, but the first reason I often see people give is, well, because Alex Smith is the quarterback. <clears throat> 
Now, I guess to an extent I understand that thought process, kind of. I mean, after all, the Chiefs did just draft a guy to replace their quarterback. Generally speaking, that's not really a vote of confidence in said quarterback. However, that reasoning doesn't really make any sense all by itself. Because the simple fact of the matter is Alex Smith was the quarterback last year when the Chiefs went 12-4. and He's actually been the quarterback for the last four years now. And we've seen some of the most successful some of the most successful win-loss ratios in the league, right? If you go back from the time Alex Smith has been the quarterback to now, the Chiefs have, I believe, their third in the league in regular season wins. So this idea that Alex Smith being a quarterback is going to torpedo them, it just doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying Alex Smith is the main reason for the wins. I don't think he is. Um, But at the same time, it doesn't make sense that his presence would suddenly torpedo a team that didn't get torpedoed before. And so while we talk about that, you know, what the Chiefs team has been the last couple of years, I think this is as good a time as any to note that this is a Chiefs team that, again, went 12-4 and last season, right? They won their division. They swept their division, actually, beat multiple playoff teams and multiple playoff contenders. Overall, had a very successful season. Definitely fizzled out in the divisional round, had a real disappointing playoff game. But at the same time, again, they won 12 games. And when you look at the roster, top to bottom, you have virtually an identical cast returning with two exceptions player-wise. When you look at major contributors to the 2016 season. The biggest changes, like if you were going to look at player losses that the Chiefs have had, were name guys, Jeremy Macklin and Dontari Poe. Well, here's the thing. I like Jeremy Macklin a lot, and I think he was a significant loss. However, in the majority of the wins the Chiefs racked up last year, he wasn't one of the primary reasons they won. He wasn't a couple of them, but not many. And in fact, they won multiple games without him last year. And so the idea that he is going to be a loss that will just drop the team off the face of the earth, it doesn't make sense. Um, then there's Dontari Poe, another another guy with a name who everyone people recognize outside of Kansas City. And I think that's why people assume that his loss is going to be such a big one. Look, I'll be blunt about this. I've talked about this before. I reviewed his film. I reviewed Benny Logan's film. Logan was significantly better than him in 2016 and 2015. It wasn't even close. And so, again, the only two losses that they they had, starters, with regards to starters or major contributors, are guys that really didn't move the needle that much in 2016. Macklin did. He moved it a little. Poe, overall, was a pretty average player, and he was part of the problem just as much as he was part of the solution in run defense in 2016. We're going to talk about run defense overall in a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, the Chiefs are not only the same team that went 12-4 and and ran roughshod over the AFC West, they are a better team. Well, how is that possible? They didn't go out and they didn't crush free agency, they didn't do anything like this. No, but they are getting back their best player in Justin Houston. And you can talk to me about not trusting his health. Look, all teams are health-permitting, right? You can always, always say, well, if they stay healthy. Justin Houston has been a full participant in everything. 
um, that when he's come to the volunteer, the mandatory mini camp, when he's come to training camp, he's practicing, he's healthy. He is literally one of the best players in the NFL and they're getting him back. It's a massive upgrade at the left outside linebacker spot. It would be as if a team that didn't have, you know, we'll use a guy that's been healthy recently, be like if a team just added Khalil Mack to their roster. It's an incredible upgrade. The only time the Chiefs saw Justin Houston completely healthy last year, in my opinion, based on what you see, whether he looked like he was slowing down a little or what, were in that crucial three-game stretch against Denver and Atlanta and Oakland. And Houston, I've written about on Arrowhead Pride, played a big role in all three wins. People didn't notice it as much after the Denver game, but he still, if you review the film, was crucial in those wins. And so they're getting him back. They're also getting back Alan Bailey, a guy who was initially their starter on the defensive line, a solid run defender. Oh, wait, that seems to address a big need. They're getting back Derek Johnson. They had the most injured front seven in the NFL last year. And they're getting all those guys back except Jay Howard, which, hey, Jay Howard, I don't like losing him, but he wasn't a contributor to that 12-4 and team. And so what you've seen is a team that is better top to bottom than it was that went 12-4 and last year, yet people expect a regression. Again, it makes no sense on the surface. And that's the main reason why I want to go through these reasons is because the reasons that I'm given, they just don't make sense. Why would a team that has the same coaching staff, same core players, and very, very good players returning from injury, why would that team take a step back instead of a step forward? So the first thing, you know, the Alex Smith reason, that doesn't hold water. Alex has been here every year, and the Chiefs have been very successful with him there. That's just how it works. Um, Another reason that I've seen is the run defense, which we talked about briefly, but I want to address that. I've talked about Derek Johnson's importance before, and I've talked about that enough that I think people understand what a big deal his loss was. Derek Johnson's another guy who seems like he's going to be back and just fine, good to go. The difference between the Chiefs defense last year without him and with him was essentially the difference between an average defense and the worst run defense in the NFL. He's that good a player. And keep in mind, that was after Alan Bailey had gone out. That was without Justin Houston, who is one of the best edge run defenders in the NFL. This, it was just an entirely different lineup. Now, and then again, it was with Dontari Poe playing, uh, how do I say this, suboptimal football. This year, the Chiefs legitimately upgraded, obviously in a huge way, at left outside linebacker against the run. About as big an upgrade as you can possibly get because Justin Houston's one of the best in the league. They had a significant upgrade, if you base it off recent tape, from Dontari Poe to Benny Logan. They also are getting back their original starting inside linebacker last season, Justin March, and they're getting back, obviously, Derek Johnson, as as well as Alan Bailey. What you have is almost an entirely different group up there when it comes to upgrading on guys who were lost. That's a big deal. And so I'm not convinced that their run defense is going to tank them because even down the stretch last year, when their run defense did give them some problems, they were still able to prevent teams from scoring. That's a big, big, big deal. And so the run defense doesn't make sense either when you take into account the players who will be back who are returning from injury. And so the, the, the first two reasons that I've looked at that I've heard most commonly, the run defense and then Alex Smith, 
those just don't really make sense to me. I have also heard people say that they don't have enough offensive weapons, which, again, you know, I these things don't make sense to me. What I had someone say to me was, you know, if something happens to, you know, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, the Chiefs are completely hosed, which, to be fair, I think that's a pretty good observation. Um, here's the, the counterpoint I would make to that. There isn't a single team in the league that could lose its top two offensive targets and emerge unscathed. Even the Packers took a step backward when Jordy Nelson was out. And that's when, with the hands-down best quarterback in the league, helming the ship, you cannot lose your best playmakers and be unaffected. And so, yes, obviously, if the Chiefs lose their two best offensive players, that would be a bad day. But... That's the nature of the NFL. After your top guys, yes, you're going to be a lot thinner. And I would say that a playmaker group of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Spencer Ware, and Chris Conley isn't that bad. And especially it's top heavy because Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in the NFL, one of the best playmakers, period, in the NFL. And so, you know, that reason... Again, with all the rest of them, when you start examining these, they just don't stack up with regards to office, offensive weaponry. And when you talk about offensive weaponry, you also have to take into account the Andy Reid factor. And I think that's something that people aren't quite doing. People, people have a memory of the Chiefs offense that's a pretty bad one at this point because the last time they saw the field was a very rough outing against the Steelers to lose in the playoffs. And everyone remembers that. They lost to a team that didn't score a touchdown. Obviously, a memory like that isn't just going to go away. At the same time, people need people who are predicting the Chiefs' offense is going to be legitimately bad in 2017 need to really look at Andy Reid's track record. Regardless of personnel, he has almost never had a bad offense. In fact, I was looking at uh, the the points per game averages of his offenses and there was one time in the entire his entire tenure as a head coach that he actually had a bad offense as in bottom 10 in the league in points per game Andy Reid is one of the best offensive coaches in the league does he have some tendencies that bother me absolutely at the same time he is who he is and he really is that good and so the idea that he suddenly after years of never fielding bad offenses will field one this year, it just it just doesn't strike me as likely. Could it happen? Sure, anything could happen. But is it likely that this will be the year Andy Reid can't coax at least an average offense out of the playmakers he has? I, I just don't see it happening. And so, again, the reasons that we've gone through, Alex Smith, the run defense, the lack of depth, the lack of depth of playmaker, the offense overall, those things, they just don't add up. And now those at least are concrete reasons people are trying to give, though. Some of the other things that I've seen don't even fit the muster of being considered concrete reasons. And I'm going to talk about some of those that I've kind of heard nationally that seem to have people nervous. Uh, When we get back, we'll do a quick commercial break so the Minnesota Chiefs family can eat. And then we'll talk about some of those reasons. 
All right, we're talking about why the Chiefs might regress and why none of the reasons I've heard make sense is a <laughs> blunt way of putting that. So we've we've covered some of the more concrete reasons the Chiefs might take a step back in 2017. Some of the some of the reasons that I've heard and that people are giving tend to be a little more <clears throat> not necessarily on the field stuff. People look at the John Dorsey firing in particular and that seems to really have have messed with their opinion of the team. And people also take a look at uh, some of the, you know, like Tom Bahali's stuff and some of those things, and they feel like something's just off. Here's what I would say to that. You know, I'm not happy that John Dorsey was fired. The more that I've heard, the more okay with it I've been, but here again, that's exactly what they intend. He's a good eye for talent. And down the road, it could well affect the Chiefs. But the long and short of it is they have the same roster that they would have if John Dorsey were still in town. This idea that firing the general manager after the draft, after free agency, after the roster has by and large been set, is going to affect them that year is just silly. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so I, I, I fail to understand how a guy who doesn't coach the players and he's not on the field is going to affect the on-field product at least this year. Now, 2018, 2019, 2020, we definitely could start to feel the heat there. But I'm not going to worry about that at this point because it's not 2018, it's not 2019, it's not 2020. The, the primary driver in season of the success is the head coach and then obviously the players. And those things are all still constant. They are still something that Andy Reid is still the coach. Bob Sutton's still the defensive coordinator. They've still got the same coaching staff in place. They've still got the same players in place. And so the idea that John Dorsey being gone is going to affect the on-field product this year, again, much like the rest of these that we've gone over, they just don't stack up. Um, continuing through, I've got a whole list of things here, of things that I've, I've heard time and time again. Um, ooh, one of them is one of my favorites. This doesn't really actually address the Chiefs specifically, but more trends. And one thing that I've heard quite a bit is that turnover differential is hard to maintain year to year. And uh, the Chiefs are, are likely to regress more towards the average or the mean with turnover ratio. Now, it's, it's an interesting argument, and statistics definitely back up the idea that turnovers to an extent, like fumble recoveries especially, are somewhat random. And so if you have a team that's plus 21 year, the odds of them maintaining that kind of level just isn't very good. Now, that makes sense um, as, a, as an overall thesis. The problem with broad statistics like that is that they don't take the individual situation into account. And here's the individual situation in Kansas City. You have a certain type of coaching and certain types of players on the defense that encourage turnovers. On the flip side of the ball, you have a certain type of quarterback and a certain type of offense that just doesn't make that many major mistakes. And so I would be really hesitant to say that the standard, oh, well, turnovers are random year-to-year 
argument applies when it comes to the Chiefs because they have a gifted secondary, in particular Marcus Peters, who just lives by the football. Um, Daniel Sorensen has shown a knack for creating turnovers as he's come on. Eric Berry, you know, people used to always talk about that he wasn't a playmaker because he didn't have enough picks. And then last year, you know, he picks off a few more and people notice it more. Now all of a sudden he's a playmaker. No, he's always been a playmaker. Some of it is just how the ball bounces, which might go towards the randomness argument, but Eric Berry is still there. So he's still going to create those opportunities. Derek Johnson is good at tipping passes. Chris Jones is good at tipping passes. They're a defense that's good at trying to strip the ball. They are a defense that swarms. And these are all things that lead towards significantly better chances at creating turnovers. Um, The best example that I could give would be the Chicago Bears years ago, year after year after year. They kept winning because of turnover differential and their defense overall. And people kept saying it wasn't sustainable, wasn't sustainable, wasn't sustainable. But they just kept doing it. Certain types of defenses with certain types of personnel are going to be more prone to causing errors, and the Chiefs have been one of them for years now. Certain type of offenses are going to be less prone to turning the ball over, and the Chiefs have been one of those for years now. So the idea that they're bound to regress, that's just not a sure thing. Again, it's a uh, it's a statistic that sounds good in, 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 in the aggregate, but you have to be willing to look at the specifics of any... Of, of any team before you start making some kind of overall sweeping judgment. And so those are those are some of the more common reasons that I've heard the, the Chiefs might struggle. I've also heard that uh, because the Chiefs drafted a bunch of projects that they're going to struggle, um, which once again, I'll point to the fact that it's the same roster that played as well as it did last year. And so this idea that they need the draft picks to come in and upgrade certain positions just doesn't make sense to me. The roster itself is very strong. It's tough to crack a spot in this particular roster. And so the and then the one place where they really perhaps could use additional help, well not the one place, but one of several places, running back, they took a guy who by and large isn't a project. Kareem Hunt has been considered as OTAs have gone through and as the offseason's gone through, he's impressed. And if you look at his college film, he definitely looks like a guy who should be able to help the team immediately. And so the the idea that our draft pick's not playing much, frankly, the the truth of the matter is that draft picks in year one rarely beat out veteran players that are worth anything. Generally speaking, if you've got rookies that are playing, they're either an anomaly or they're replacing bad players. And so that's that's just kind of where it that's kind of where it lands. So I don't stress out about the fact that the Chiefs' first two picks aren't anticipated to play a ton, because really at the end of the day, they don't have the need. They don't they don't have anywhere that they need someone to step in and be a big upgrade right away. That's one of the advantages of having an overall strong roster like they do. Still another reason that I've heard, and again, we're just knocking all these down one at a time. I'm sure when this gets posted, I'm sure I'll get a ton of comments from you guys saying things that I've missed, but I'm trying to hit every one of them. Another one is strength of schedule. 
I've uh, I've heard from quite a few people that the Chiefs have one of the toughest schedules in 2017. And I think that's demonstrated right out of the gate because they play the Patriots, of course, in New England to open up the season. Obviously, that's rough. The Patriots look really good. So, you know, that, that, that obviously it, it looks like a tough schedule. Here's what I'd say to that. Um, on one hand, sure. On the other hand, it's not like the Chiefs had a cupcake schedule last year. And they beat multiple good teams last year. You know, people are worried about whether or not they can beat good teams. I mean, they were one of the only teams in the NFL that could beat the Raiders. They beat the Falcons in their house. They beat the Broncos before the Broncos just fell off a cliff. And it's easy to forget now after the Broncos stumbled down the stretch. But when the Chiefs met them near the middle of the season, the Broncos were considered a Super Bowl contender. Now, again, they kind of fell off a cliff after playing the Chiefs. But I would theorize that losing to the Chiefs in a backbreaker of a game was part of what sent them down that skid. And so, again, I, I just... I don't see any reason to fear good teams because the Chiefs finally last year, this is the first year you could really say that during the Andy Reid era, they showed that they could hang and play well against any team. And that was true across the board. They had one game where they just got blown out of the water by Pittsburgh. It was an ugly game with turnovers and all kinds of stuff went wrong. Other than that, they were competitive in every single game, including against playoff and Super Bowl contenders. And so I'm not buying that a strength of schedule is going to be an issue. The other side of the strength of schedule argument is that we don't really know how strong or weak the schedule is. This is the NFL. We don't know who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. Every year you see the schedule come out and you expect certain teams to be good, certain teams to be bad, and it just never pans out that way. Before last season started, everyone thought the Panthers were going to be a juggernaut. They weren't. I could list a zillion more examples, but I'm not going to bore you or myself with that. Yes, there are some teams that are pretty consistently good year after year, but the simple truth is preseason strength of schedule arguments, they just don't hold much water because they don't take into account what teams will be like this next year. And some of those predictions are going to be wrong. Some of the teams that we look at right now as cupcakes are going to be kind of a tough out, say like the Tennessee Titans last year. And some of the teams that we're looking at as tough games, they're going to end up being easier than what we thought. That's just how it goes every year. It's just the nature of the beast. Related to the uh, strength of schedule argument, one thing that I've heard discussed is the fact that the Chiefs won some close games. Say if you're talking to someone about the Chiefs finishing 12-4, and four, what oftentimes will have people respond is, well, they got lucky to be 12 and 4. They really should have been 10 and 6 because Marcus Peters had that miracle turnover against the Panthers, and that miracle comeback against San Diego shouldn't really count because they got lucky there. Or, you know, the doink victory against the Broncos. You know, games like that, they say, well, you know, apparently those don't count for as much, as far as I can tell. And so what I have people often say is, well, the Chiefs, they were. They were a game or two away from being, you know, nine and seven, right? Well, not a game or two. They were three games, you know, coin flip games from finishing nine and seven. And to that, I say, yeah, you know, that's not a bad point, except they were also a couple of coin flip games away from finishing 15 and one. The only bad beat the Chiefs had was against the Steelers. Every other game they were in right until the end against Houston and against the Titans 
I mean, they, they, these these games against the Titans, they were up 14 nothing and kind of choked away the game, to be perfectly honest. Against Tampa Bay, they that was another game where a late turnover just killed them, and it was another close loss. Against Houston, they just played overall terrible and still lost by a very narrow margin. So I guess here's what I would say. Sure, they were fairly close to being 9-7, and seven, but they were just as close to being 15-1. and one. And then would the conversation about the Chiefs be different? I mean, let's face it, they were they were incredibly close to being, you know, 16 and 1, have, you know, because they came that close to beating the, the Steelers. So if you make the close game argument one way, it has to apply the other way. And so the, the fact of the matter is, yes, the Chiefs did win some close games, but they also lost some close games. And so if you're going to to view that as a potential negative, I guess, to me, you're choosing on purpose to ignore the other half of the equation. Um, there's a couple final reasons that, that I think we could go into here very quickly. I'm trying to, trying to keep it a little more succinct for you fine people, especially with just one particular topic. Um, one thing that people have said to me is they're really worried about the corners. I'll be honest, I am not worried at all about the uh, about the corners this year. I'm really not. I like Terrence Mitchell, love Marcus Peters, and I think Steven Nelson did a great job stepping up last year, and there's no reason to think he'll just stop improving this year. And so I, I don't worry about the corners the way a lot of people do. Um, would injuries be tough? Absolutely. But when you look at how the Chiefs played down the stretch when they found that combination of Peters, Mitchell, and Nelson, they played very well against some very good passing offenses. And so I just don't worry about that. I just I just can't. I can't find myself worrying about what will happen when they face good passing teams. It's like, well, those corners did p- face good passing teams, and they played really well against them. It wasn't the uh, Steelers passing game that lost, that, that beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs lost to the Steelers mostly because the offense couldn't do much. A little bit because of the run defense, which once again should be aided by a fully healthy Justin Houston the return of Derek Johnson. I mean, you throw Derek Johnson into that game against the Steelers, and do you realistically think the Chiefs lose? I don't. I, they, it was it was that close that adding in one of their best defensive players against the run would have changed things. And so I, I'm just not too worried about the corners. They played very well against elite quarterbacks. They played well against very good wide receivers. And so they're just not an area of concern for me. And so, you know, we've, we've looked at... Uh, all most of the reasons that uh, people tweeted out to me, <clears throat> excuse me, goodness gracious, if I was better at editing, I'd edit that out. But I kind of like it raw, so there you go. We've um, we've looked at some of the reasons people have given. We've covered essentially all of the ones that people were able to give me when I asked on Twitter, why have you heard the Chiefs will lose? Why have you heard, you know, why things are going to go poorly for them? And so with that in mind. I want to just address one last issue before we uh, before I let you go for the day. Again, I'm going to be a lot uh, a lot more succinct than normal. We're trying to get you guys in and get you guys out as quickly as possible. the The Patrick Mahomes issue, something that I've thought about a lot, is why people suddenly view the Chiefs' offense rather than just kind of subpar or whatever to where they really think they're going to bottom out. 
And as best I can figure it, it really is the fact that Patrick Mahomes was drafted to replace Alex Smith. And there is some thought that if uh, Patrick Mahomes replaced Alex Smith this year, the team would take a massive step backwards. Here's what I'll say to both things. One, Patrick Mahomes being drafted doesn't change who Alex Smith is. Like I said to start off, Alex is who he is. I don't expect him to regress because he's got someone behind him, pushing him. I think he'll probably do better, um, hopefully at least. But there's no reason to think that he's suddenly a worst quarterback because Andy Reid and John Dorsey decided to go out and get someone else to replace him in the long term. He still is who he is. He's a decent quarterback with some unique strengths and weaknesses that can help a team win. But then the Mahomes issue. And again, we're traveling a little bit afield from the the topic of the day. But the Mahomes issue, this uh, idea that if Patrick Mahomes took over, I had someone tell me that, you know, the Chiefs would be lucky to finish 4-12 and if that happened. I'm not going to change subjects here into a, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes for 40 minutes podcast. Although I could, and I would probably enjoy it. Maybe some of you would too, but maybe that'll be for another day. What I'll say is this. I have a hard time believing that Andy Reid couldn't design an offense around Patrick Mahomes' strengths and weaknesses that would be effective. Andy Reid was able to design effective offenses around all kinds of quarterbacks during his career. The idea that Mahomes would be the one that would be his kryptonite just doesn't add up to me. And so... The Patrick Mahomes uh, reasoning for why that might cause the Chiefs to regress, whether it's, you know, his his drafting really did seem to make people's opinion of Alex Smith, at least nationally, get knocked down a peg. And I think the playoff game didn't help matters either. But it's interesting, I, the national guys that I've seen be okay with Smith for a while, since Mahomes was, was drafted, there's been a little more negative attention focused on Smith. Where, whereas before they were okay with his weaknesses, well, now that he's had a guy be drafted behind him, well, now, you know, he's just bad. It doesn't make sense to me because it's the same player. And again, if Mahomes somehow, and I don't think he will, but if he does somehow manage to beat out Alex Smith, which to be fair, he's got to beat out Tyler Bray first, I just don't see that as being the event that causes the Chiefs to fall apart. Again, Andy Reid has almost never had a bad offense during his time as a head coach it seems highly unlikely that Patrick Mahomes would be the reason that he suddenly did when he could design an effective offense around, you know, Kolb and guys like that. And so, you know, I hope you've kind of enjoyed this little deeper dive into all the reasons people are saying the Chiefs will regress. I'm sure I missed a few that you've heard. Maybe I've even missed a few that you think. But I tried to address as many as possible in as short a time as possible. And really, when you look at all of them, None of them really stacks up. None of them really makes sense. And I suppose you could combine them all together and say, well, at least a few of these are bound to happen. Um, Maybe. But at the same time, you know, two times zero is zero. And if something doesn't really make much sense, adding another thing that doesn't make much sense doesn't make either of them make more sense. If that made sense, as it were. So the next time someone tries to talk to you about, well, the Chiefs are bound to regress for whatever reason, because they lost Dontari Poe, you can now be the guy that says, well, actually, Benny Logan looks like a much better player against the run and doesn't seem like a step back as a pass rusher from what Dontari Poe did in 2016. You can be that guy. Will you annoy your friend? Absolutely. And welcome to my world when you talk football with people. 
that's pretty much all I've got for you today. Uh, we'll get back to mailbag questions next week on Monday. It's an exciting time to be a Chiefs fan. I cannot wait to see how training camp goes. It is so, so good to have football back to talk about. Thanks for talking Chiefs with me, guys, and I'll see you next week.